Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, December the 5th, 2018. It is 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 1 p.m. New York Time, 9 p.m. London Time. And in Sydney, Australia, it is currently 8 a.m. Good morning, Sydney. And welcome to your daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, it's, it's also a, a good morning, Sydney, for, from Cindy. So Cindy to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Try to say that one a few times fast. Good morning, Sydney. <laughs> And we are continuing with Neville today. We're, we were moving right along. I mean, we seem to be breaking speed records for ourselves here in terms of moving through Neville's right? uh, power, of aware, power, of aware, uh, power of Awareness group or page. Book. What is it? It's a book. That's what it is. It's a book. <laughs> <laughs> the tongue isn't working too it's well this afternoon. It's a book. It's a book. Uh, but yeah, we're moving right, right quickly through it. And it's been... It's been interesting because we have run into certain sections where we needed the decoder ring, but maybe it's just me getting more used to it. I don't know what it is. I just don't seem like I need to spend as much time on some of this stuff. It's it's clearer now. Well, I think part of it is, too, that I, I say this because I was looking to find our place. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at a chapter that I was sure that we had already covered. But it was just that Neville repeats himself a lot, which is great yes, because true. it's, you know, we learn through repetition. So yeah. I think it's a really good thing that he repeats himself and he explains it maybe in a slightly different way, which might be easier to understand. And yeah, I think that's what happens. It starts to get easier. <laughs> well, good. That, hey, that's one of my goals for here and, and going into the new year is to make everything easier. So if I can make Neville easier, <gasps> that's a good thing. Yes. That's a very good thing. You know? Yes. One of my best, like, pieces of advice to myself and others is let it be easy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm appreciating that more and more these days. And <laughs> more by looking at the contrast. It's always contrast that drives these things. Uh, okay. but well, so we can be thankful for the contrast. Because, that's right. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, and think about the um, asking, when we ask an open-ended question, mm-hmm. it taps into our the part of our brain that's most creative. So if we say to ourselves when something is feeling hard, <laughs> if we say to ourselves, how can I let it be easy? Mm-hmm. Or how can I let this be easier? Mm-hmm. The creative part of our brain t- wants to take over and help us brainstorm on how to let something be easier. That's a very Sometimes good point. Sometimes we just make things hard. <laughs> Now, here's an example of having made things hard because I forgot to turn the recording on for the video. So I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> I made things hard myself. Recording has started. <laughs> but that's all right. Get the video going. We've been recording the pod portion. We're good on that. It's just I forgot the video part. Great. Yeah. So anyway, let's. Uh, we're, we're like halfway through chapter 13, which is about acceptance. And acceptance is... I think it's probably one of the most important law of attraction concepts that there is. So that's what's making this uh, this chapter as a take on Neville's view of acceptance to be interesting to me. But uh, um, let's just take well, a look. I want to pick your brain a little bit then about that. Okay. When you say that, when you say that acceptance is one of the most important law of attraction concepts, talk about that for for a little bit. Oh, I think it's it's really important. Because I see it as being the positive side of resistance. Because resistance okay. is the thing that we all tend to run into the most often as being the thing holding us back. And I was realizing, as, as we have done so often, I've tried to flip things around. So I've tried to flip resistance around because resistance is a kind of a negative concept. I was trying to find where's the positive side of that. And for right. me, the positive side is acceptance. So I'm, I'm trying to understand and look at the concept of resistance on the flip side now as acceptance. And, and that's why I'm seeing that as an important concept. When you think of that word acceptance in, in this context, in the context of our life and the law of attraction and what we're creating or attracting, do you tend to see that word as relating to our ability to accept what is, or is it our ability to accept in the context of maybe accept something like you accept a gift like you receive something or is it neville is talking about here 
a version of ourselves that unless we're willing to accept it as true, I mean, what comes up for you when you hear that word? I'm curious about it. Yes. <laughs> All the things you just underlined. Okay. Okay. Cause you know what it reminded me of? I had a person long time ago. I mean, when I first started my blog, um, and I'm not even really much of a blogger anymore, but back then in maybe 2008 or 2009, mm-hmm. I don't even, I can't even remember what I wrote this post on, but a man commented and asked me a question and he said, what do you think about acceptance? And so, you know, I started, we started a conversation about acceptance. And mm. so I think up until that point, I hadn't heard anybody be curious about it, you know, and yeah. so it opened up a really great conversation. But so when you said that, I was like, all right, so what does that mean to you when you say it? I think more than anything else, it's just that I have, it's not something I had really thought about as an issue for the longest time. And only, only over the last few years have I realized acceptance is pretty critical because unless you can accept something, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're fighting it. You're resisting it. You're, yeah. you're, you're putting up a barrier of some kind. Yeah. And and I've really come to appreciate how important the resistance piece is. So, like I said, I was trying to flip it around and find the positive way of expressing it. And acceptance seems to be the best word for it. Acceptance is one of those things that ha- you, you listed a few possible ways to look at the word. And they're all good ways to look at it and to understand it. I, I get the feeling that the more that I dive into the word, the more that I kind of keep it in the forefront of my mind, I end up finding more and more ways to apply it in life. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I, that, that, that's about as far as I've gotten. I've only been studying it for a couple of years now, so I don't have a whole lot, but that's what I've got so far. Well, I think I always looked at it as, from from my point of view, and, you know, we've had this discussion a lot, even today with, or yesterday, with somebody had, like, instead of a heart or a smiley or a like emoji, what we're used to, somebody had, a like, an angry face. And we talked oh, about right, it. Oh, right, right. Like, yeah. why, why would somebody be feeling angry? And I'm always the one that's like, it's okay. Like, mm. it's okay to be angry. It's all right. It's like it's a human emotion. There's a reason for it. It's telling you something. Yeah. And so part of me says sometimes with acceptance, it's kind of like right there, like accepting our emotions, accepting that we're unhappy in our job, mm-hmm. and accepting that this relationship isn't working for me, accepting that right. there is not enough money right now. Whatever it is, just saying, I okay, I'm not going to resist it. I'm not going to fight against it. I'm just going to say it is what it is, and what do I want to create next? Yes. So there's that kind of acceptance. Mm-hmm. But I think Neville is leading towards the can you accept that you already are that which you want to be? Can you accept that, that is, you already have the things you want to have? That is the ultimate acceptance. Can, yeah. Until you can accept he's and i think he used the word earlier accept it as truth mm-hmm. or accept it as true and that's why we're always having this conversation about what <laughs> is right. people say, but that's not true yeah. <laughs> you know that's not true i am not wealthy look at my bank account see what it says and yes, right. saying, well, <laughs> unless you can accept it as true so i think it's a very interesting conversation it is i went back i went to look and see where we left off this morning and it's going to be necessary, I think, to backtrack just a little bit. Just to capture it, the yeah. Next part to make to be make sense and be in context. Yep. So he's talking about being completely absorbed in an emotional state. Mm-hmm. That's he says that you are at that moment assuming the feeling of the state fulfilled, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting because we keep talking about assuming the feeling of the wish. Mm-hmm. This is where that other meaning of acceptance, I think, can come in. Assuming the feeling of the state fulfilled, whatever state we're in. Oh, we yes. Maybe in a frantic, panicky state. Yeah. And in that, in that moment when we're absorbed in, in that emotion, we're assuming the feeling of that state fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's true. And he says, if persisted in whatsoever you are intensely emotional about, you will experience in your world these periods of absorption of concentrated attention are the beginnings of the things you harvest. I think we could substitute manifest for harvest if we wanted, right? 
Harvest also he, matches his gardening theme too, because he uses right, gardening right. themes throughout. <laughs> and yeah. the scriptural theme where he's always talking All about the time. using words that we would find there. Yep. Um, he says it, it is in such moments that you are exercising your creative power, the only creative power there is. At the end of these periods or moments of absorption, you speed from these imaginative states where you have not been physically to where you were physically an instant ago. In these periods, the imagined state is so real that when you return to the objective world and find that it's not the same as the imagined state, it is an actual shock. Mm. You've seen something in imagination with such vividness that you now wonder whether the evidence of your senses can now be believed. And like Keats, you ask, was it a vision or a waking dream? Fled is that music. Do I wake or sleep? The fact that he was this, describing it as, um, let's see, what's the exact phrase he used? Uh, imagination with such vividness. The vividness is the part that sticks out to me. Uh, it sticks out for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm working on that myself. I'm working on, on, on the vividness of what it is I'm trying to focus on. Because for me, the vividness means I've got it. I mean, I, I have totally encompass it has become my my entire focus and nothing is getting in the way of it um and that that's a that's a big deal as far as i'm concerned but also the way he was wording it here he was talking about how it's a shock when you come back to focusing on the quote real world unquote and i haven't gotten there yet but i can see how if you can get yourself really really focused so intently that you're just buying into it completely when you when you come back to the real world it was like what happened? I don't understand what just happened. You know, reality just shifted or something. Well, I like that he actually used this little piece of poetry as a metaphor, and it talks about a waking dream, a dream. Because mm. I've had a dream before where I woke up and felt like I was in a bit of a shock because the dream seemed so real. Oh, yeah. That I'm awake now, and I'm looking around, and I want to shake my head and pinch myself and say, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That was so real. Not every dream I have is like that, but no. I have had some dreams that were so vivid. Oh yeah. That every sense was heightened. And so that kind of clues me in. Yeah. I can't say that I always get there either. Not even most of the time. Um, as far as using my imagination to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled, it's very real. And the ones that I'm doing now are getting to be very vivid. But I still haven't felt the shock <laughs> coming back into reality. Well, that's Maybe great. that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, that, that gives you your next uh, milestone. That's what that is. That's the next milestone. <laughs> but but, like but I know what you mean because I, I've also experienced it. Not perhaps you, – you, you probably sound like it's been a more frequent event for you. For me, the last time I had a dream that it was that vivid that – I'm not sure I could associate shock with it, but it was – it was really a big step to come back to reality was about 10 years ago, right after my dad passed. And I had a dream where I met him in my dream. And that was incredibly real. That was an unbelievably real dream. So that when I woke up, I wasn't so much in shock. It was more like, what just happened? What just happened? That That's the, the thought that kept going through my head. What just happened? Like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that actually happened. And it, and, and it was so intensely real that it, it, it didn't feel like a dream. I think that's what it was. It, it felt different from a dream. Most dream, cause I associate dreams as being like, you know, these little flighty things that kind of float through your head. And, right. you know, you may remember, you may, you may remember them. You may not, you know, it wasn't like that at all. But didn't you tell me that in that dream that you hugged your dad? Yes. Oh yeah. And that you could feel your dad hugging you. Yes. And, and see, that's in my memory of dreams that have been that vivid. The other senses have been involved. Like I smelled something or tasted something mm-hmm. or, or hugged someone or felt, felt something mm-hmm. that when I woke up, it was like, I'm, you know, no, <laughs> do I still smell it? I mean, I, one time I, I smelled roses and it was so intense. When I woke up, I kept like, oh my goodness, looking around, like mm-hmm. I smell roses. All right. That right there is that sense of a little bit of shock. Mm, okay. It's a yeah, okay, shock I'll buy that. System, you know? yeah. It's like, but I felt this. I felt it in a tangible way. I tasted it. I smelled it, whatever. And so I think that's why Neville wants, I think that's where he's driving us to get to, to the place where 
all of those senses are so vivid that it actually feels like a shock that we're not feeling that when we come out of our <laughs> reverie, I guess you want to call it. Right. I don't know what to call it. Our imagination, our scene. Well, he says this here, shock. Be, before you go on, before you read the rest of, of that paragraph, um, I, I've got to interrupt because we're getting some nice um, commentary here. And we actually have a question. Oh, good. And the question, oh, I yeah, think yeah. actually, the question ties in, I think, with what we're talking about, although I don't okay, think that perfect. was her intention. But Elisha asks, how can you accept something you're struggling with? Okay. So I, I want to tell you a little story about something that <laughs> I don't know if this will be, how helpful it will be, but... A, a couple of years ago, I was really struggling with something, mm -hmm. and it was just a huge struggle. I couldn't think about anything else, it, really a struggle. And one day, and I don't know what really got me here, but at that point I said, you know what, I am not going to struggle against this anymore. It is what it is. I'm going to accept it. And, like, it felt so good and so freeing, and I... I just felt amazing. Nothing had changed. Mm -hmm. I just decided, you know what? It is what it is. I'm just going to fight it. I'm not going to try to change it. I'm just going to accept it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just walk in acceptance. And I just felt like a rock star. And then, like five seconds later or two seconds, I didn't hear an audible voice, but my higher self, this little voice, I said, I totally accept this. And this little boy said, can you love it? Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. I actually said out loud, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I thought I was really rocking it by accepting this. You have to love it. You love it. I felt like, oh, man, something is kicking my ass today. Okay, you love it. But you know what? That was it. And, and you know, in that moment, after I had the small little temper tantrum of what? Um, I started laughing and I said, you know what? Yes, I can love it because it's part of my life. It's part, it's going to be part of my story. Mm. And it's going to be an amazing story with a huge victory at the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can accept it and I think I can love it. I can just choose to love it. There's a book, a famous book, um, called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's what came to mind at that moment when that happened. But so I think that's how you do it. I think the how is just in, in choosing to. It's just a choice. Yeah, it, it's what a is. I love the way your your higher Cindy came in though and made you go to the next level. I love that part. That was great. <laughs> Man. Hmm. <laughs> so you said we had some other good commentary too. What's what are we getting? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Well, first of all, Elisha was very happy that I pronounced her name right. And I have to admit, Elisha, it was a guess. I, I just kind of said it's gonna be Alicia <laughs> or Elisha. I'm going with Elisha and it worked. So, you know, I guess it was my higher Walt saying go that way. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, we've got hellos from Nasha and from Bronwyn and from Jeffrey and, let's see, comments uh, like, yes, because you actually met your father, Nasha says, his perfume, the smell of his skin. I don't think my dad actually wore perfume, but he definitely had a smell to his skin, no doubt about that. I did feel that and smell that, rather. Um, and, uh, oh, Nasha also says, it's not shock. It's more the feeling is real. At times when you can't tell the difference between real and a dream. That's an interesting way to yes. describe it. Yeah, that's a good way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. Very good. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, when, when I, when someone is in my life that has lost a loved one and is missing them and grieving them like right after, mm -hmm. that's a question that I often find myself asking is, have you dreamed about them yet? Oh, yeah. Because. You know, I know that for me, it's been really comforting to dream of my father or my mother or some other loved one that that's no longer with me. You know, right. so uh, it can it can be a wonderful thing. Sure, absolutely. I mean, in my case, I had actually, I, I it was a strange thing with my dad's passing because I did all of my grieving before he died. I didn't know you could do that, 
And so after he died and I just felt relief, it was, it was strange. I, I wasn't sure how to handle it. I, I mean, it was great. I didn't have to go through any more grieving because I knew I'd gone some through quite a bit before he had died, yeah. but I just, just, you know, it was backwards. It wasn't supposed to work in that order. Right. But about a month and a half later, I mean, I, I passed the grieving process, but I still missed that he wasn't going to be around anymore and that I just wasn't going to be able to talk to him. And I thought, yeah. gee, so it'd be really great to just, you know, have another conversation with him. And within a week, I had that dream. So th- it was more cool That's than anything else. It was just fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Well, it was really and this good. is interesting that you talked about that because listen what Neville says next. He says, this shock reverses your time sense. Yes. <laughs> By this is meant that in, instead of your experience resulting from your past, it now becomes the result of being in imagination where you have not yet been physically. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happens. That's kind of what you did, right? Yeah, it is. It's exactly yeah. what I did. Yeah, that's why I laughed because here he is describing what my experience was. Right. Pretty cool. In effect, this moves you across a bridge of incident to the physical realization of your imagined state. The man who at will can assume whatever state he pleases has found the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, he tells us what the keys are. The keys are desire, imagination, and a steadily focused attention on the feeling of the wish fulfilled. To such a man, any undesirable objective fact (laughs) is no longer a reality. And the ardent wish is no longer a dream. I, think I it's like right. that, you know, that, that. Any any undesirable objective fact. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah right. That is right. Well, the way he describes that, it it actually does a nice job of summarizing how it felt when I woke up from that dream. He says, "To to such a man, any undesirable objective fact is no longer a reality, and the ardent wish no longer a dream." And the the sentence itself, if you if you read it out of context and you aren't familiar with what Neville has to say, the sentence itself has a little bit of confusion to it, and that's very similar to the confusion I had when I woke up because I I didn't have any doubt that I had met my father. I was just confused about how did that happen, how did that whole thing how did that whole thing come about? It was just amazing to me that it, that I could do that, and he he kind of described it nicely in there. That that was the feeling right there. Yeah, he he does that. So then he uses um, a scripture. It says, Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says the windows of heaven may not be opened and the treasures seized by a strong will, but they open of themselves and present their treasures as a free gift, a gift that comes when absorption reaches such a degree that it results in a feeling of complete acceptance. The passage from your present state to the feeling of your wish fulfilled is not across a gap. There is continuity between the so-called real and unreal. To cross from one state to the other, you simply extend your feelers, trust your touch, enter in fully into the spirit of what you are doing. Not by not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Assume the spirit, the feeling of the wish fulfilled, and you will have opened the windows to receive the blessing. To assume a state is to get into the spirit of it. Your triumphs will be a surprise only to those who did not know your hidden passage from the state of longing to the assumption of the wish fulfilled. The Lord of hosts will not respond to your wish unless you have assumed the feeling of already being what you want to be. For acceptance is the channel of his action. Acceptance is the Lord of hosts in action. And we should take a moment and and put on the decoder (laughs) ring and remind ourselves that any reference to God or the Lord or whatever is the imagination. So. So when we re, re, when we reread re that we reread that, <laughs> okay? Yeah, especially <laughs> this last part, right? Because we talked about the um, the idea of the word spirit. Mm-hmm. We talked about this earlier. Um, I, I'm not sure which which podcast or if it was even this book, but it was Neville. Mm-hmm. And we talked about 
spirit, like how we talk about the spirit of a thing, mm -hmm. like the Christmas spirit. Oh, oh yes. you're sure in the Christmas spirit. Or mm -hmm. we have a pep rally or spirit day at a school to get right. team spirit going, right? So it's like an emotional thing. It's an energy. Um, it's an alignment with something. Yes. An alignment with a goal. And so he talks about that. But here at the end where he says, if we if we break out the decoder ring and we use imagination, we'll read that imagination will not respond to your wish until you have assumed the feeling of already being what you want to be. Exactly. For acceptance is the channel of the action of the imagination. Yeah. And boy, does that start to become clear when you say it that way. Mm -hmm. Acceptance is imagination in action. Mm. Yes. It's like there's movement there. Oh, from, big time. Yeah, from just assuming the feeling of the wish to causing some kind of movement towards it actually manifesting. And that movement is, the channel is acceptance. So now if we combine that. We're already there. If we combine that with what uh, he said two paragraphs ago, where he talked about it being uh, things that we think of as being unconnected, but but there's really no gap between the real and the unreal, between the imagined and the so-called reality. When we look oh, at yeah, that, when, when we combine it with that, now all of a sudden we get uh, the idea that imagination, when combined with acceptance, is what creates that nice, smooth connection. Like, like no a longer, it's, it's, it's a bridge. But it's a bridge that is like of zero length because it doesn't really need to be a bridge. It's just, <laughs> you know, it, it just needs to, to move us. Other. Yeah, but it, it, it's just, yeah, it's effortless. I think that's what I'm trying to get to. It's an effortless shift. There's, there's no, I mean, calling it power is almost redundant to me because there's no need for power. You just got to move over there. It's that simple. I, I love that. He, I love that you brought that up because I skipped that and I, it affected me when I read it. The passage from your present state to the feeling of your wish fulfilled is not across a gap. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it, it, it kind of brings it home when he says it's already created. It's right here. <laughs> there yeah. is no gap. Yeah. It's right here. There's a continuity between the so-called real and the unreal. That's, that's pretty awesome. Exactly. I, I also like that he says you simply extend your feelers. Yes. <laughs> the feelers. I like that. <laughs> Well, that's a, this chapter that's, has been so powerful. That's quite a great, great chapter for sure. Had to be. It was, it was called acceptance. How could it be otherwise? <laughs> I know. And you know what? We, we dove right in today and I don't think we did any promos. So. Oh, that's true. We should get our promos in. Before we dive in. Yeah. Well, we're halfway through either way. But, um, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, a, a few promos actually. First of all, uh, if you're a not a subscriber, become a subscriber and very simple to do. The, uh, instructions are in the descriptions, most places where you can find the recording here. Um, if you can't find it, go to the homepage, lowaytoday.net. Most importantly, be sure that you're sharing the fact that you're listening and or watching this particular podcast episode and all of the episodes each time that you listen or watch, because when you share more and more people find out about it. And then, and like I've been pointing out lately, that's likely how you found out. Somebody shared, somebody posted, somebody pointed out to you, Hey, there's this thing going on. And, uh, you know, so you're basically passing it along and helping other people find it. So please do share the fact that you found it and, and share the joy, share the, the, the daily dose of happy. Um, and, and we appreciate that you do that. And the listeners appreciate it because it keeps growing our audience and, and we get more and more people participating in the live podcast, uh, live streaming. And that makes it more fun. So, yeah, just help us along. Give us, you know, give us that little push every time. Yes. And thank you. And thank you very much. Thank you. So the, the 14th chapter, the title is The Effortless Way. Which uh, makes sense. I seem to recall we were just speaking about letting it be easy. Yeah. The principle of least action. Uh, governs everything in physics, from the path of a planet to the path of a pulse of light. Least action is the minimum of energy multiplied by the minimum of time. <laughs> hey, I like that. That right? is good, yeah. Yeah. Therefore, in moving from your present state to the desired state, you must use the minimum of energy and take the shortest possible time. This sounds like how everyone wants everything to manifest. Yes. Easy peasy and right now. 
Exactly. <laughs> it's also the way that most of us don't trust that it's actually going to manifest. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, he says your journey from one state of consciousness to another is a psychological one. So to make the journey, you must employ the psychological equivalent of least action. And the psychological equivalent is mere assumption. The day you fully realize the power of assumption, you discover that it works in complete conformity with this principle. It works by means of attention minus effort. Mm. That's exactly what I've been practicing. Get caught up with the efforting. I have really, I think that's what I was trying to talk about earlier, um, about making it easy. I, I'm trying to really buy into and learn and apply every single day, no effort. And it's a challenge, especially for somebody like me who's been a doer all of his life. Right. But I, I just, I, I think I'm feeling it in a way that I never felt before. I'm feeling how important it is to just do it effortlessly. Just put the, the assumption in it and let the universe do its work. You know, when we, when we ask ourselves the question about what things do we do where we lose track of time, I think most of those things are things that are effortless or maybe fall into that category. Hmm. Um, okay. Because a lot of times when we're really enjoying something, yeah. like even if it's just uh, sinking down in a comfortable chair with a really good book that you're reading, and all of a sudden, whoa, two hours has passed by. I mean, that never feels like there's any effort. It's true. It's easy. And, and, and I'm also, I, I also remind myself, too, when I'm trying to go for effortless, it's not like I never want to do anything. The, the right, con- but it's not. I was just going to say, do you think that, that effort and action, I mean, I think they're different. They are different. Because, in, because inspired action doesn't feel like effort. Yeah, I think the way I'd express it is, historically, I've always felt like I had to do in order to get somewhere. And what I'm trying to learn now is to assume that that I'm going to get to wherever it is I want to get to. It's just going to happen so I can take all that effort away and limit the, I'm not even sure the word limit is appropriate, but limit the activity of doing to just the part that I like doing because I like doing it. And not even worrying about whether or not it's going to contribute to anything. I'm just, I do it just for the sake of doing it because I enjoy it so much. Right. Well, it's like Neville used, um, he talked about physics and a beam of light. But I mean, think about water running down, you know, a path. It takes the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. It goes around the rocks or, you know, whatever. It doesn't struggle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's it. The idea of the path of the planets, that was a good description, too. I mean, it's not like right. the, the planets say, okay, i got to get around this orbit one more time. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's just, it's just letting it be easy. And least resistance, or he says least action. Mm-hmm. Um, Thus, with least action, through an assumption, you hurry without haste and reach your goal without effort. Mm-hmm. Because creation is finished. What you desire already exists. Oh, that's so exciting. (laughs) It is excluded from view because you can see only the contents of your own consciousness. It is the function of an assumption to call back the excluded view and restore full vision. It is not the world, but your assumptions that change. An assumption brings the invisible into sight. It's nothing more nor less than seeing with the eye of God or imagination. For the Lord sees not as a man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Okay, so again, Neville is using Lord, God, Christ in you always as the imagination. Right. So our imagination doesn't see the same way a human sees. Humans look on what's what we think is real, right, <laughs> on the outward. Right. But our imagination looks at the inside, looks yes. at the heart. It's an inside job. The heart. Pardon? 
It's an inside job. No, it's always an inside job. It is an inside job. The heart is the primary organ of sense, hence the first cause of experience. When you look on the heart, you are looking at your assumptions. Assumptions determine your experience. Now, I I like this. I think this is a paraphrase. Um, Watch your assumption with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. That's actually um, the, the verse, the Bible verse is actually um, to watch your heart with all diligence. Oh. <laughs> so he's doing a little uh, of his own Neville decoding here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch your assumption with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Assumptions have the power of objective realization. Every event in the visible world is the result of an assumption or idea in the unseen world. It's a funny thing. The present we, moment- we, we, we talk about this kind of thing all the time. We talk about yeah. the impact that our thoughts have in advance of events, created things, attracting stuff into our lives, and so on and so forth. And I find that as we do that continuously, day after day, week after week, my belief in it increases. And I this is where the Neville teaching about it, the belief hardening it starts to become yes. real for me because I can yeah. feel the hardening going on. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where like, if I compare this to where I was at, say, I don't know, five years ago, like halfway through compared to where I am now, halfway through my exploration of, of how the law of attraction works, I would have said that the hardened aspect of my belief in, in the thought process coming before the actual thing was 10%, maybe 15%. Now I'm closer mm-hmm. to like 85, 90%. Yay. The, hard, the, the hardening well, has really taken place. It's gotten to the point where it's just a real part of my thought process now. Re- remember this morning on the podcast when we were reading the part that talked about, or I don't know if we were reading it or you were commenting, but the idea that when you look around and you see what you're experiencing right now, it's not a result of the thoughts you're having right now. Right. It's a result of the thoughts that you had previously. Before, Yes. And we were talking about how often we have certain thoughts, certain assumptions, and eventually they harden into fact. They may not be things that we're consciously trying to create. They may not be things that we're <laughs> happy about. But how how often we forget. We forget the thoughts that created these things because of that time gap. And I think it's important that Neville says here um, – Watch your assumption with all diligence, because I think that that's what happens. We're not diligent to be, I mean, the book, Power of Awareness. Yeah. We we often aren't aware of how powerful our words are, how powerful our thoughts are, how powerful our story is. And so that's why sometimes things happen. And we don't think they're connected to our thoughts or our story because it was past we do a little digging and we can see the connection. But he says to be diligent about what we're thinking about our story. Then we'll start to see it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like you said, the, the easier it becomes for us to do this, the faster we see the manifestation. Then we don't then we don't claim that we forgot. because well, it's- Yeah, and I like the idea of using diligence as a word. I think diligence is a great way to describe how important it is to just stick to it because, as an right. example – um, the the new uh, Pivot Palace group. I, I posted a post earlier this morning before we did our morning podcast, uh, in which I laid out uh, my uh, my old story and my new story. The old story about the things I've been looking for in my life, and then the new story, which is my newly imagined pruning shears of revision. Here's the way I really want it to be. Here's the way I, I really need to think about it approach. And I, I had like four different areas of my life I touched on. And at the end of each area, I include I took our idea of a vignette. I included my vignette for each one of those areas. Oh, and, nice! And, and it, well, it is nice. But here's the interesting thing where diligence is concerned, because I haven't revisited that post since I posted it this morning. And you know what? I can't tell you what any one of those vignettes are, because <laughs> I haven't been diligent yet. I haven't stuck to it. I haven't been focused. I haven't been going back to it over and over and over again, which I will now do, especially after this. But it shows well, just how okay, important so the diligence this, is. This is a- Great example, because think about this. You posted the vignette this morning, and you can't remember what it is right now. Right. 
So if you never looked at it again, and that vignette happens two months from now, yeah. you might not even connect it. Exactly. Right? Two months? I mean, I, I mean tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> I might forget about it by tomorrow, let alone two months from now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So when we when we become diligent and we start practicing and we get that focused attention going, then then when it unfolds, it's a powerful miracle. Mm-hmm. It really is. Let's see where I... Okay, so Neville says, watch your assumption with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Assumptions have the power of objective realization. Every event in the visible world is the result of an assumption or an idea in the unseen world. The present moment is all important. For it is the only in the present moment that our assumptions can be controlled. The future must become the present in your mind if you would wisely operate the law of assumption. The future becomes the present... When you imagine that you already are what you will be when your assumption is fulfilled. Be still, least action, and know that you are that which you desire to be. The end of longing should be being. Mm. Translate your dream into being. Perpetual construction of future states without the consciousness of already being them, that is, Picturing your desire without actually assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled is the fallacy and mirage of mankind. It is simply futile daydreaming. Now, here, here's what comes to mind for me, that the end of longing should be being, mm-hmm. not having, mm-hmm. not doing. And it doesn't mean that having and doing won't be in there. But it's my being. I am the person that does X, Y, Z. I am the person that has X, Y, Z. It's who I am being. It's an identity thing again. Yeah, you're going back to identity. That's what, what you're saying. And, yeah, identity is a big part of it because if, if you are imagining from the perspective of identity, you're making it more real for you. Yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, he says... The end of longing. So if I'm longing for something and then I receive that thing, I'm a different person because now I'm the owner of whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And that's the part that we have to tap into. It's the being part. It's the identity part. The I am story. I am the person that has already had this experience. This idea of being gives a new flavor and a new um, shape and texture to the idea of abundance, because we all are after abundance, right? That that's like the the, the one most popular way to summarize all this. I want I want to live an abundant right. life, right? And I'll be willing to bet nine times out of ten, when we say I want to live an abundant life, the one thing that's sticking out in everybody's mind is the word abundant, and the word I is like this little tiny I at the beginning of the oh. sentence, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, because they and it's being pictured somewhere out there. Yeah. Apart yeah. from, but apart as, from me, apart from he, the I. As he points out, it has to be the being part. The I part has to be the biggest part. The abundant is actually right. it's almost secondary at that point. And until you can accept it as true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Good. Good stuff. Nice really good. catch. Can you believe that we finished two chapters? <laughs> Not only can I believe it, but we actually have time to do chapter 15, so let's go through that one, too. <laughs> I know. It's exciting. All right. So the title of the 15th chapter is The Crown of the Mysteries. Hmm. I wish I had my tiara that I wore for my wedding sitting here. I would just put it on. We'll just pretend that you got it. I'm, we will imagine it. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> The assumption of the wish fulfilled is the ship that carries you over the unknown seas to the fulfillment of your dream. The assumption is everything. Realization is subconscious and effortless. Assume a virtue if you have it not. William Shakespeare. Act on the assumption that you already possess that which you sought. 
Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Almost now, shocking. I'm not sure the context of that scripture. So, but, but it's almost shocking. He actually he actually used the female uh, pronoun in that. I, I, like he doesn't right. do that. It's like what <laughs> happened? I don't understand. This is great, but what what happened? <laughs> well, because usually he's pointing to uh, to he because he's talking about. Christ or the Lord, Jesus, God, always using that male pronoun. But right here he's talking about somebody that was healed and the, healed because of her belief. So he says, blessed is she that believed. But let's do the, the Neville thing and do the imagination. Uh, blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a manifestation of those things that were told her by her imagination. <laughs> Well, okay, let's take the Neville Dakota ring a step further because I don't remember. Oh, here he is. He's at, that's a different story. He's actually talking about the Immaculate Conception. Okay, well, that still works with where I was going because there was a previous okay. chapter. I'm not even sure if it was this book. It may have been a different book, but he was talking about the metaphor of male and female as conscious and subconscious. Yes, this and sub, book. Was it this book? Okay. And subconscious so. was, was it female. It was out of this world. Right. Yeah. He... The, the conscious being male, the subconscious being female, the two of them are actually one, and the conscious plants the seed, the subconscious creates. So if we do a little uh, uh, substitution, blessed is the subconscious that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told the subconscious from the imagination. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so he says, as the Immaculate Conception is the foundation of the Christian mysteries, so the Assumption is their crown. Psychologically, the Immaculate Conception means the birth of an idea in your own consciousness, unaided by another. Got it. For instance, when you have a specific wish or hunger or longing, it is an Immaculate Conception in the sense that no physical person or thing plants it in your mind. It is self-conceived. Every man is the Mary of the Immaculate Conception, and birth to his idea must give. The Assumption is the crown of the mysteries because it's the highest use of consciousness. When in imagination you assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled, you are mentally lifted up to a higher level. Do you sense that personally? It's what I, um, it's what I aspire to. I would say that when I'm not feeling that, which is often, I, I know it. I'm aware of it. And I notice the lack. I notice the part that's missing. The part that I, that I haven't quite achieved yet. Cause when, when I hear that, it just, I just think of vibration. Mm-hmm. And vibrational alignment and the emotional scale. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like hard to put our hands on, but it's like when I go into that place where I am assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled, where I'm closing my eyes and I'm imagining this short vignette that I've created of what I want to see happen in the future, I definitely get a sense of my moving up the emotional ladder, so to speak. Um, sure. A oh, higher yeah. vibration, feeling better. It feels really good mm-hmm. to go there. And we talked about that before, that that should be our aim, mm-hmm. is actually getting to the place where that uh, imagination feels really good because it not only feels really good, it feels real. Right, right. I think that's why our brain reads it as feeling good. Yeah. We believe it, right? And it's also why when, when I'm not quite when I'm not quite getting there, I'm not quite... Um, latching onto the feeling portion, I notice the lack because that feeling, I, yep. I, I'm almost addicted to it. It's like, I gotta have that feeling. Yes. And I think it's so funny because sometimes it's so easy to get there and sometimes it's not. Mm, it's true. For me, personally, I mean, I, can't, I can well, only me speak, too. speak to my own experience, but sometimes I'm like, why, <laughs> you know, why is it so easy sometimes? But I think, here we go with just let it be easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, also we, like, we recognize the fact that it, it isn't always uh, emotional feeling. It can be sensational 
too. I mean, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when we remember that, that actually often makes it easier to get there sometimes. Uh, well, but there, and I think that that that's the part that feels shocking when you come back. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Because that, in other words, here's here's a really part. simple example. In my office, I have a big chair that I often sit in to imagine and meditate, and there's an ottoman there. Mm-hmm. So I will often sit in that chair, and my feet are up mm-hmm. on the ottoman. Right. But in in the vignette that I've been doing, I'm actually in a scene where I'm sitting at a table, and my feet are flat on the floor. <laughs> so... Physically, in this world, if you were to walk in my office, you would see me in a chair with my feet up. Mm-hmm. But in my imagination, I am in a chair with my feet flat on the floor. I can feel my feet on the floor. I can feel myself in the chair. I can feel my hands on the tablecloth. I can feel the tablecloth under my fingers. When I come out of that, a little bit of a shock that my oh my feet are up. <laughs> see, there's no emotion attached. Mm-hmm. Not really an emotional thing. I think that's so important because the emotion's hard to tap into sometimes, for me anyway. Let, let's also touch another aspect of this too, because I ran into this in a big way. I think it was was it yesterday? No, 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 it wasn't yesterday. It was last week when I was um, when Louise and I were dealing with her medical issue. Because um, there was the one day right after we got what we thought was really bad news, and it turned out to be inaccurate. Um, where my passion for resolving it just shot through the roof. I didn't have to reach for it. I didn't have to do anything. It was just there, big, in spades. And it, it it kind of reinforced for me that emotion is there not only to indicate what I want and how I feel about it, but to indicate what is really important to me. Because we were talking yeah. about a situation that was really important to me. It was my wife's health. That was right. really, really important to me. And and so there was no reaching for it at all. And it was important to me in a way that I don't have to project it into the future in, in any way. I don't have to create a vignette in order to have that importance. It's important right now. It was important yesterday. It was important last year. It's been important for a long, right. long time. And, you know, any time that we have a strong emotion, um, especially if it's an uncomfortable emotion, because usually if we have a strong emotion that's wonderful, we don't worry about processing it, right? True. <laughs> we just enjoy it. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> but, but anytime we have a fear, a worry, a frustration, anger, guilt, anything that we have, and it's a strong emotion, always remember that if we ask ourselves what value we hold so dear that this is connected to, that is a really great trick to help transmute that emotion so, in other words, you just said it. Like, you had this passionate response of, no, we are going to fix this. We're going to turn this around. Mm-hmm. Why was there so much passion and so much fury and fierceness about it? <laughs> because you have a really strong value around your wife's health. Mm-hmm. It's important to you. Very. And once you recognize that, uh, for me anyway, it alleviates some of the um, part of the charge that doesn't feel so good. And it brings some inspiration. Lots it's of like, inspiration. like, this is the thing I value. I care about this. This is important. You know, this is going to happen. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, when I was feeling that, all of a sudden, it was like every sense was alive. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I all you talk about feelers. All of my feelers were out. I was looking for any <laughs> clue anywhere that I could find one. I was not going to miss it. <laughs> well, you see, you're on the right track. Because Neville said, just extend your feelers. Absolutely. So, so Neville says... When through your persistence, this assumption becomes actual fact, Mm -hmm. you automatically find yourself on a higher level. That is, you've achieved your desire in your objective world. Your assumption guides all your conscious and subconscious movements towards its suggested end. So inevitably, that it actually dictates the event. So this this is going back to what you mentioned before about the subconscious doing the creation. Actually dictating events. Right. The drama of life is a psychological one, and the whole of it is written and produced by your assumptions. Learn the art of assumption, for only in this way can you create your own happiness. Why do you think he calls this chapter the crown of the mysteries, though? Well, because he says that the Immaculate Conception was the mystery of 
the Christian religion. And mm-hmm. so he says, if that is true, then the assumption is the crown. It, oh, I see what he's saying. It's the crowning okay. thing, right? It's the, it. the ability to assume the feeling of the wish, mm-hmm. the ability to accept these things as truth already. And he talks about the ability to come up with these ideas on our own. Like no one is planting these desires in our head. We're doing that. Right. So right. It's something we've done unaided. It's funny because when you, when, when you first see that, that uh, title for the chapter, it, it almost sounds like it's some sort of a, well, it is a mystical thing. The guy is, is a self-described mystic. Uh, but it, it just, ha- <laughs> yes. it, ha- it has this like magical quality. Like, Ooh, the crown of the mysteries. I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> I have to say, I got a little excited when I saw the title. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. (laughs) That's funny. It didn't turn out to be what I thought it was going to be, but that's okay. Um, That's okay, because the main thing is recognizing that the key, Neville says the key is desire and then assumption Mm -hmm. and that focused attention. Right. The focus, this is the key. The key is to stay with it and keep going. You know, and you me- believe you, it. You mentioned at the beginning of, of this particular episode that um, he does repeat himself a lot and that it, it's good to have the repetition. It helps um, right. you know, kind of bring it home, so to speak. And, and it's true. It does. Uh, the thing that I'm finding fascinating, though, is that he is not just repetitive. He's repetitive about one particular thing. <laughs> one yeah. thing. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And I, I'm not sure what to make of that. Three Other- times a day, my phone gives me a little reminder. It says, assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Yeah. <laughs> same thing yeah. every single time. It's always worded differently. It comes at it from different angles and so forth. But it's always the same thing. It's, it's almost Abraham-like. Abraham saying, you know, we're happy to answer right. all of your questions just so as long as you know that it's always the same answer. It's always <laughs> the same answer. Well, right. so I think that it's very meta because I think in the same way that Neville is repeating this over and over, it's a good practice for us to repeat doing it over and over, to repeat our practice over and over. You know that old practice makes perfect thing? Mm-hmm. Well, in in this sense... Practice may make the manifestation happen. I mean, just well, exactly. staying with it, that's, letting that's it get stronger. It. So, so essentially, essentially what we're doing is we are taking the pattern that he presents to us of repeating it over and over again as a way to repeat over and over again to ourselves, my thoughts become things. What I'm focusing on in advance is my tomorrow. What I'm, what I'm experiencing today is what I thought about yesterday. And, and just... You know, continuously drilling that in. That's why I went from 10% belief to 85 to 90% belief, and I'm closing <laughs> in on 100%, you know? At that point, we'll have 100,000 listeners. Wow. Okay, I have even <laughs> more motivation. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's my biggest dream where the podcast is concerned, for sure. Huge right. numbers so of listeners. It's going to and... harden into fact. I, I, I'm still trying to imagine how some of that could play out. Like what happens? I mean, we, we get, uh, when we do these podcasts live stream to the law of attraction, change my life group on Facebook that we live stream to each time. Now we get people tuning in live and they're making comments and you know liking and sharing ideas with each other and so forth. And yet it's still a relatively small scale. I mean, it's nowhere near a hundred thousand. We're talking in tens or twenties of you know people who are listening and, and, and interacting. What happens when you get that happening with a hundred thousand? I mean, I don't even know how you even detect that other than, you know, you have this swarm of data that's flowing past your screen. You can't possibly keep up with it all. Well, are you ready to find out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. But I'm just trying to imagine that. I mean, it's a good thing we have computers that can capture data faster than we can possibly do it with our human brains, because otherwise I'd be in trouble. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It's going to be good. Well, this has been great. I'm ready. And uh, we, we covered a lot. Uh, we, we do three shows in a week, you and I. We we covered a lot in those three shows this week. But uh, I we think we're, we're going to have to see, you know, do we even go faster than that next week? I don't know. We may finish the book next week. It's always possible. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward. I look forward to talking to you then. I hope you have a great week. I hope you do, too. I'll be back on Tuesday morning. Sounds good. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Don't forget the market.